This is Teaming with Ideas, the podcast that explores how people at work work together. I'm Carlos Valdez Depaney, your host, and I spent decades working with teams as well as researching, writing, and speaking about collaboration. Over the years, I've met some brilliant people, academics, business leaders, managers, consultants, who share my passion for collaboration. In Teaming with Ideas, I'll be speaking with these experts who will share their thoughts, experiences, theories, and practices so that you can put them to work to make your work life richer and more rewarding. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. In this episode, I speak with Brian Grasick. Brian has been at Mars for 30 years. He's a finance guy who's worked with a variety of functions, including industrial engineering, R&D, and marketing. He's worked in all the major Mars segments. He spent time working for Mars Ice Cream in Burridge, Illinois, in Albany, Georgia, where Mars roasts peanuts to use in Snickers bars and other treats. He's worked in Hackettstown, New Jersey, a major site for making M&Ms in the U.S., and for Mars Drinks, which has since been sold off. He's currently based near Chicago, working for Mars Food, known best in the U.S. for Uncle Ben's. But his team is spread out around the world. I wanted to talk to Brian because he's been working remotely for more than 10 years. He's had to be especially resilient during the pandemic because since it started, he's changed jobs twice. He's still never met most of his current team. He's experiencing what many of you are and then some. So I wanted to talk with him about how he's managing it. Here's my conversation with Brian Grasick. Brian, how are you today? I am doing great, Carlos. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, looking forward to you talking about how to do teamwork when you're sitting at home by yourself. <laughs> well, of course, for many people, working at home isn't being by themselves, which is part of the complexity and challenge a lot of my brilliant listeners are facing. But let's go back for just a second, Brian. When people think of Mars Incorporated, what pops into mind generally is M&Ms and Snickers, Skittles, Starburst, and more recently, Wrigley products. Tell folks what brands Mars makes, both in ice cream and in food, where you're working now. Our ice cream business is transitioning some of our wonderful candy brands into ice cream versions. So there's Snickers ice cream, there's some M&Ms ice cream products. But the company was actually founded on the Dove Bar which I'm sure everybody knows and loves them. But for those who haven't been fortunate enough, it's you know ice cream on a stick with a chocolate coating. Mars bought that company quite a few years back. So that's the origination of the ice cream business. And then on the food side, in the U.S., folks would know Uncle Ben's as our rice, which will be transitioning to Ben's Original as a brand. And we also have a company called Seeds of Change, which is more of an organic rice-based products. Globally, there's about 15 different brands. But the one you'll see in the U.S., I know in the club stores, you can get Tasty Bites. And I know they have it at some of the local grocery stores. It's an Indian-based flavors and some rices, too. So go out there and try some. That's the world you live in. You've been working from home for 10 years or so. So you're an old hand at this. The COVID pandemic began spreading in February, March in the U.S., obviously globally before that. But you were working from home before that. How strange was it for you 10 years ago when you suddenly found yourself not in a Mars site, but having to work from home? Carlos, I was actually a little bit nervous at first from having been in an office for 20 years, but probably a couple of years prior um, to that, I had been traveling 60 to 75% of the time. So <laughs> being totally honest with you, it was actually great to not have to also travel into an office as well. Um, but I was still traveling quite a bit while working from home. 
I was home maybe 50% of the time and traveling the other. Then as travel cut back more and more, I was probably doing about 30% travel. But working from home was definitely different because not too many people had a really home-based position. So I had no desk, no office for Mars. Because a lot of people at Mars were like, no, what office are you at? And I'm like, I'm at my home office in my house. And they're like, no, no, you can't do that. Like, what are you talking about? It's even still been a little bit strange probably up until the last few years of actually people based in a home location versus having a desk in the office of the owned by Mars. So okay, is it fair to say you felt a slight pressure from your colleagues and peers, a sense that you were somehow not doing the right thing? Yeah, not, not necessarily. Yeah. A lot of people say, oh, how do I get that gig? You know, because I think when, people, when people, well, the funny thing of all this will be, I don't know how many people are going to want to still work from home once this pandemic's over. Because if you got the right setup, it, it's great. And if you don't, I'm sure it's awful. I think, you know, those poor people have small children and babies screaming and dogs barking and all that. This probably does not work for them at all. But for myself, I was pretty fortunate. What about previously, previous to COVID? Was there a time when you were working remotely where you were on a team, a time when you struggled to feel like part of a team or to get that sense of, I hate to use the term team spirit while working at a distance or for you, was that never an issue? I've been fortunate in the past, the 10 years or so I've been working from home. All my roles have been more like program management and working with many other people. They've all been global roles. So really none of them are based all together in one location anyway. So it's worked out pretty well for that kind of a setup. And then being part of the team, it, the physical part is actually a little strange because you're not going into an office and physically being around other people and having lunch with them, et cetera. That part's a little different, but the connection, like I said, you couldn't do that anyway because the work I do is global. So there's really no way I'd ever get you know, people in London connected with people in the US and we would all be in the same location anyway. So in terms of creating more of a team environment, I've been fortunate that we well, prior we used to be able to travel there once a period, once every four weeks, we get together as a part of the, the broader team or as a project team or in a workshop. So there was always some sort of a physical connection piece there. And then through just a normal working, operating day-to-day -day, phone calls, project calls, people are engaged. And then I was really lucky here in Chicago that the folks I was working with would actually do things like happy hours after work and try to do some kind of a social thing, you know, probably about once a month. And then you're actually creating some personal and social bonds outside of the work environment, which helps tremendously. That's probably the thing I miss the most now is that just doesn't happen now. It sounds like those social connections were part of your past experience pre-COVID. Working remotely as you have been now for so many years, do you have a memory of someone either on your team or who was managing you who just wasn't very good at dealing with the fact that you weren't around? I've been very lucky that all my direct managers were supportive of this because it worked just for the job itself. But I've had some people I worked with who just really struggled with the fact that you could have a person working remotely. Think of a specific example, if you can. Well, I'm curious because for my listeners out there, we're now calling this a hybrid team. Some people in an office, some people working remotely. It's becoming more and more common. But I've got listeners who are members of hybrid teams and who might be experiencing a colleague on the team who doesn't get it, doesn't support it. Can you tell us about a time when you had to deal with something like that? A couple of years back, I was working on a, on a project and the overall project leader worked in another country in Europe. Most of the work was being based out of Chicago office. So I would go into the office maybe once a week, sometimes twice a week, just because I interacted with some of the folks there. But then 
he would come in usually two weeks on and two weeks off and was like, Hey, when I'm here, you need to be here. And I was like, well, why, <laughs> why do I need to be here for two straight weeks? We don't really interact a whole lot. You know, it was a tension where I actually had to lay out what exactly do you need me here for? Because I'll be here for the things I need to be here for, but it takes me almost a four hour round trip commute. So let's come up with a mutual reason of why you would need me here for the the whole time you're here. They said, we'll just be here like two days a week. And I was like, okay, fine. And so when he was there, I would just come in and it was, it was a bit frustrating because I would come in, spend the whole entire day and not even see him or talk to him. We'd just make sure that those days I would go to find him and be like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm here. Just so he knew I was physically there. But he, yeah, in hindsight, it's got to be mutual for both people. It's not that I'm working from home because I just want to sit at home and not do anything. It's actually literally the opposite. I find myself tr- tremendously more productive working from home than when I'm in the office. I mean, it's a five-fold increase in productivity when I'm home versus going into the office. There is a lot of research since COVID on productivity. And, and what they're seeing exactly that people are considerably more productive and enjoying the freedom it allows. I remember when I was in Hackettstown and I had little kids and I would work from home from time to time. It was the exception, not the rule. And they would tease me for exactly what you said. So, so you're just sitting home watching The View every morning, huh, with your coffee? And I was a little aggravated by that, I have to admit. But I laughed and eventually they'd end up working from home for some reason or another. So. Yeah, that's the beauty of this new situation is that those people I thought working from home was great are probably, you know, this isn't so great. Maybe I should give those who do work from home a little bit of a break here. Yeah. So you worked um, a long time. You dealt with some people who didn't quite understand working from home. What have you noticed changing since the whole COVID shut? Has your routine changed at all? And have you noticed any of your colleagues' routines changing? I think there's actually three things that have really changed for me. We'll start with the first one. It was that social interaction. So the fact that not only can you not go in into the office and have a coffee with somebody and just catch up and see their face, but none of the either after works, happy hour, those kinds of things, going to a Cubs game, all that's gone now, which is very strange. It's so different. So what we've done to try and replace that, and it doesn't quite work, is we've created this group in WhatsApp. So that people can just say, hey, and it's all personal. So it's like, hey, I just cooked. I showed pictures here. I just grilled a steak. So somebody's like, hey, I just took my daughter out picking apples. So it's a non-work related social thing. And it's better than nothing, but it's still not the same. So that's one way to replace that. The second thing has to do with the, you'd say, well, Brian, you've been working home from 10 years. Like this should have been real easy. And at first it, it was, and I've actually um, had offered and helped some people who had to make that. People who had never worked from home before. Not even for the day. I had counseled some people on, hey, here's some things to try. I try to set up a dedicated space, close the door, those kind of things that I think everybody now knows. But for me, the new learning was, oh my God, like now everybody else is also working from home. And all of a sudden, everybody now schedules a meeting to talk to you. Whereas before, in the office days, you just walk over to somebody's desk and you chat with them. We have an open office at Mars which means nobody has their own private office. So if you want to talk to somebody, you just walk up to their desk and talk to them. Well, that's gone now. Now you have to either try and get them on the chat function of the the computer or set up an actual meeting and say, hey, I need to talk to you for 15 minutes about something. Actually put a meeting on a calendar. So my calendar now is like booked from anywhere from 6.30 in the morning till 6.30 at night. 
with 15 minute meetings, 30 minute meetings, and things that would either normally have been done before by bumping to somebody in the office, or they would just hit you up on the chat and you had time because <laughs> your calendar wasn't full of meetings. So now nobody has time to just have a free chat because the calendar is overloaded with, with meetings. The third thing has been a very positive thing. The fact that I could work globally now with a, a whole bunch of people I've never even met person. I never physically have met these people, people I've never worked before. I moved into a brand new job during the pandemic. I moved, you know, I've been at Mars for 29 plus years. I moved from our global services business into our global food business with literally, I think there might be one or two people I had worked with before. So now I probably work with two dozen folks on a daily basis in the food business that I never physically met. You have a direct report now. Oh, yeah. They're in they're Australia, London, Germany, the US, Canada. I've never met these people face-to-face physically. It's very odd. It's a very different thing. I've been working with these people for six months now, and I've never physically met them. It's very strange. And today I onboard, I have somebody now working for me. I onboarded her today, so I had to do a virtual interviewing, virtual onboarding, virtual training. We have one now, another one starting in a couple of weeks. So much for the days is your role as individual contributor. Yep. You've managed people before, right? Oh, yeah. How are you thinking about this? You're doing a virtual onboarding now. How much thought have you given? You're going to have two direct reports to how you get them feeling like the team you're going to want to lead. It's different, Carlos. First of all, the one was in Brussels, Belgium. The other one's going to be outside of London in the UK. And I'm sitting here in Chicago. In the US, right? So they're both six or seven hours different from you. Yeah, exactly. We have a time zone difference. And then the second thing is, again, having been able to physically meet them in person, which is very odd, but that's okay. Uh, it's a new way. That's fine. I just ask them a lot, like, how's it going? Is this making sense? I've shared files with them to read. And today was literally just doing a walk through some of the foundational things of what needs to happen in this new job and making sure the person understands. It only kept it at two hours. I took a break an hour through because it's a, it's a lot of material to cover. I just checked in with her and said, you know, it's making sense. She asked questions. I guess it's really no different if you're physically together because you'd want to do that anyway and make sure they're comfortable. But it's very hard because you can't really see the body language and you can't tell, is this really making sense to the person? So trying to read slides on the screen, we'll have the little video down there. I was trying to make sure paint looking for those visual cues. And that was really tough, I'll tell you. So you're you're onboarding one person now, and how long have you been doing that? Today was day one. Day one, wow. I'm going to try to do like an eight-hour session in one day. So I'll just do two-hour chunks this week. Every day we'll do two hours together and then give her material to read, which will keep her occupied for a few hours and give her some other people to connect with. It's basically going to be about a three-week onboarding, so do 50%. On this job, 50% in her old job, and then hopefully by then she'll be able to come in. And- so this is a person who is already inside of Mars. All right. So she knows the culture. Already at Mars. Thank God. I couldn't even imagine trying to onboard somebody external. What about your second person? Will they also be Mars? She's from Mars as well. I'll start onboarding her in a couple of weeks. I would be interested to know when you're through that process, what lessons you will have learned about virtual onboarding, what I think be really be valuable for the listeners. Yeah, actually, so just while we're on that subject, I sent a note. There's a bigger program that we're working on, and the program team developed, I call it an onboarding deck to the program itself. It's 228 slides long. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's not as bad as it sounds because it's actually really good foundational information. It's laid out in sections, and that's what I had went through today in the two hours with this person saying, like, 
Here's how this is laid out. These pay, pay attention to these six or seven slides in this particular slide here. The rest, you could just browse through. And I wrote it out for her last night and just said, like, skip through these sections, focus on these eight pages. So, and, and she actually commented right when we started to start the call. She said, I really appreciate it. You laid out where to focus and where to skip through. And, and uh, I'll take that as a good lesson learned for a, probably for a global team, but even in this ways of working, that there is some foundational structure that you can bring a person into because I'm thinking of, I, I, when I hung up that call, I literally sent the person who said, although it was a ton of PowerPoints, thank God you created this because I don't know how the heck I would have onboarded somebody without this. Yeah. yeah. What's one thing you're looking forward to continuing, something you've learned during COVID or an adaptation you've made that you think will have application afterwards? And what's one thing you can't wait for it to be over? <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I've been working from, so I'd like to continue that. But the fact that we actually have a global team that I work with connected all around the world and having some of these protocols in place in terms of some of the 228 pages of structure, it's cool. I have two people working for me that I never physically met and they're six hours apart and, and all these. So I'm, to me, it's developing a new muscle because I think this is the way of the working. That's something that I'm looking forward to. Okay, so it's that ability to, to do exactly what you've just described that you think is really worth keeping around. I can't wait to drive a four-hour round trip into the office <laughs> to see a lot of people I haven't seen for months. <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking forward to the commute. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to do that. Seriously, because some of the folks I work with are, are in Chicago across the street in the other office I used to work in. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Seeing the few people now in the food business that I haven't even met and working with them, as well as I'm seeing some old, some old friends in the other buildings. We have a campus where there's multiple buildings on Goose Island in Chicago. So in one trip, I can hit three different buildings and see a bunch of different people that I haven't seen in a long time. And I'm sure I, I owe somebody a dinner who did a favor for me. Well, I mean, look, you could use the pandemic as a great excuse to never have that dinner. No, I, I owe this guy big time. So it's like... Yeah, a dinner is a small price to pay like for those kind of things. That, that's what I'm looking for to be able to actually have that physical presence that just hasn't been there. Say back to March, right? It was March. Yeah, I think you are not alone in that. Uh, we're all waiting, holding our breath until the time when we can shake hands with somebody. Mars, in my experience of it, was a very huggy place, which I had to get used to at first. But I'll tell you, I miss that sense of camaraderie. And I think whether you work at Mars or at IBM or pick your company, work as a part of our social lives is really important for many, many people. Not everyone, to be sure, but many. So Yeah, I know we've talked about this before. I have a, a low need for affection right? in my psychological profile. I don't need to be involved in everything. I don't need to be included. I don't need to be in the parties. I don't need to be close to people. And I'm like dying that I haven't seen people shook their hands. I can't even imagine people have that high need for affection. This has got to be really psychologically traumatic for people. I mean, it's it's bothering me and I'm pretty low on the need for affections and, and contact and all that. It's not, this has to end soon. Back to your point, we got to find a way. I think we will. I mean, I read an article about the pandemic of 1919. Imagine a very different world, no social media, no WhatsApp to be sure. It was remarkable the article said how quickly life returned to what people assumed was normal, which was people back on the sidewalks, back in the restaurants, back at the bars, libraries, theaters. Yeah. It comes back. And I think yeah. our social nature will pretty much draw us back 
to one another. I love having you on because you are just doing a job every day. You're not sitting atop a big corporation or trying to be a consultant to other people. You're just doing it. And I really appreciate your perspective of someone who has had a chance to master working remotely and then adapt under new circumstances. So my deep, deep gratitude to you for that. Anytime, Carlos. And hopefully your listeners can get some pieces of gold nuggets out of this. I sure think they will. And I look forward to circling back with you after several months of your being a boss and leading a team remotely to get your perspectives on how that's going. Okay, good, good. We'll set a date for that. Maybe we can do it in Vegas again. Right? There you go. The good old days. And I look forward to seeing you all on our next episode. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer and director of Teaming with Ideas. Thanks for listening. And thank you for the music, John Wallerick and Brent Peterson. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, review, and share. Want more? Visit Carlos's blog, Teeming with Ideas, at carlosvdapena.com. Questions? Click on the Contact Carlos button, and we'll answer promptly. To be interviewed on the Teeming with Ideas podcast, visit carlosvdapena.com forward slash podcast dash contact and complete the questionnaire. Thanks again for listening, and keep on teeming with ideas.